welcome to this Diversity and Inclusivity Finance Forum podcast. Working for difference, making business better and fairer. The DIFF series of podcasts is aimed at helping people from underrepresented groups get into and get on in the mortgage and protection industry. And to help everyone understand why genuinely prioritizing diversity is good for all of us individually, good for your business, and good for the mortgage market as a whole. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals participating and not necessarily of their respective companies, either past or present. Welcome everybody to another DIFF podcast. Not only do you have a different chair today, as I, Danielle Moore, Operations Director for Mortgage Solutions, will be stepping into the large shoes of Barrett for this episode. But today's also has a different focus to our last two, which were on invisible differences. Whilst we recognise that all genders could be the principal caregiver to their children, this podcast is going to look specifically at exploring the experiences of a returning mother to work. We will be speaking to someone who began this journey over 10 years ago in the corporate world, and then another who has a more recent experience with theirs being into the self-employed environment. I think it's important to set the scene here slightly, given that I'm sure many of our listeners feel that this is an area that our industry has been supporting and continues to do so. But what does this really look and feel like for those who are living it? Well, let's start with the positives. The number of mothers in the labour market has grown substantially over the last 20 years. Things like the Women in Finance Charter, which is a commitment by the HM Treasury and signatory firms to work together to build a more balanced and fair industry are aiding this. Firms that sign up to this charter are pledging to be the best businesses in the sector. And the charter reflects the government's aspirations to see gender balance at all levels across the financial services firms. However, In 2020, the Women in Work Index fell for the first time in history due to the impacts of COVID-19. After slow but steady improvement in women's employment outcomes, progress towards gender equality in work was set back by at least two years and women's employment losses from COVID-19 were relatively worse than men's. Evidence also suggests that women raising children pay a motherhood penalty in underemployment, slower career progression, and lower lifetime earnings. The increased burden of unpaid childcare borne by mothers and women raising children during the pandemic was a key driver of the disproportionate effect of COVID-19 on women's employment outcomes overall. In fact, almost three in 10 mothers with a child aged 14 years and under said they had reduced their working hours because of childcare reasons. This is compared to just one in 20 fathers. And I want to explore why this is still the case in 2022. So to help me explore this topic, we have the British Mortgage Award winning Esther Destra, Managing Director of Intermediaries for Lloyds Banking Group. Esther's first child, Gabrielle, was born on the 18th of December 2006 when she was working at Legal & General. Esther took six months maternity leave and returned to a different role in housing upon her return. Eva was then born on the 7th of August 2009 and once again she took six months maternity and returned to a bigger role in housing at Legal & General. Talking to me also about her lived experience is Sarah Tucker. Sarah is a proud mum of two, Sienna and Joshua, 
who are eight and five years old respectively. She entered the world of mortgage broking when Sienna was 18 months old and it has formed the foundation of her business ever since. Sarah was tired of saying sorry for the responsibility she held as a part-time working mother, never feeling part of either world, so she decided to create her own one. A world where mothers could have a thriving career whilst juggling their family life in a safe, supportive and uplifting environment where flexible working was the norm. This business, as I'm sure most of you know, is called The Mortgage Mum. And in its first three years, it's given opportunities to over 50 women with more lining up to join this growing network. Welcome to you both. Now, I touched on it in your intro, Esther, but can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you returning to work after your first child into the corporate setting that you did and how that changed, if it did, when you had your second? It was good in one way because the corporate was very supportive. As you mentioned in your introduction, I actually got a sideways or promotion, you could say. So that was really good, really positive. So I was very excited to get back into work. And I had that mindset. I think on the other hand, I was naive as well. I thought I could just start the new role settle in, make it all work at home, etc. And it was tough, partly because I physically was still recovering. And it took at least a year before I was back to fitness levels. I was pre-baby. And also just the sheer volume of responsibilities, things you have to think about, the lack of sleep, the pressure you probably put on yourself perhaps not always matching with the expectation of other people. And to illustrate that a bit, which might sound funny to people, but I really, for me, a job was very important. The role was very important because that defines me as a person, not me as a mum. And I think people were perhaps in a supportive way expecting me to come back as a mum. And I didn't like that because it sort of made me want to prove myself even more that I could do a career and a new role and that almost the mum bit didn't matter. And how did they do that, Esther? So how did they make you feel like you were coming back as a mum? What was it the way they approached you and their terminology that they used around you? What was it that made you feel that way? There is a fine line, I guess, between showing genuine interest. So there were lots of people, so let's not forget the positives, who were asking how is it and who were giving words of support. And I do remember, for example, I physically wore myself out got quite ill and HR supported me very well in saying just take some decent time off and then really take care of yourself for a while, eat healthily, do exercise and focus on that as your highest priority because otherwise you definitely can't perform at work or at home as a mother. So there were some real positives but then there were people just asking questions like did you come back part-time and my response was always did you? And, you know, and you would immediately get a defensive reaction. They would go, oh, I didn't mean it in that way. And you kind of go, well, I think you did. People sort of lowering their expectations of where you wanted to go in terms of sort of saying, oh, yeah, there must be more children and placing you in a mum role or making comments on what type of mum you would be. Because I guess I was still in that very focused on a career. So they were like, oh, yeah, you must be very, you know, like that as a mum. And I think that's what made me feel like that. 
that does make total sense. And Sarah, how does that compare to you and your experience? I've had the beauty of both because I was in a corporate role when I returned to work with my daughter, Sienna, although it wasn't in the mortgage industry, it was in the legal industry. And they were completely different to returning to work as a self-employed broker. I hadn't set the mortgage mum business up by that point, but I was self-employed. And there is differences. I think when I went back to the corporate role, it's very structured. You decide your date way in advance. Even before I'd had the baby, I knew when I was coming back to work and actually underestimated the personal changes I would go through after having my daughter as to when I'd want to go back and how much that changed me as a person and my priorities. But a little bit like Esther said, it's those expectations of yourself versus the expectations of others and then the perceived expectations of others. Self-employment, I thought, would probably be an easier transition But I had my own things to contend with there where I had my own expectations then. And that's where I think sometimes actually they're even higher than the ones I had in my corporate job. So I struggled a little bit more in that environment because I had to learn my own boundaries. And that's the biggest thing, I think, if you're self-employed coming back, you've got to learn about looking after yourself. Obviously, Esther touched on it and HR said to her, but nobody was saying that to me, but I had to do it. So I had to be the one to think this is probably a little bit too much and this is probably a little bit unbalanced right now and I can't do it all, even though I want to be able to do it all. And so which things do I need to let go of? So that's a lifelong journey (laughs) for me particularly, but I think for any mum you have mum guilt are constantly being pulled in all directions there's constantly things to do at home and at work so you do have to get very clear with who you want to be how you want to show up for your children, how you want to show up for yourself, let go of your own upbringing and create your own life. And that's really where the mortgage mum came in. It was like an opportunity for me to design my life how I wanted it and to allow other people to do the same. And everyone's design is entirely different. And that's why it's so hard for the corporate world to get it right, really, because every woman is different. Every family is different and we can't all be put into one box. I think that's really true, actually. And you know, when when we're talking about kind of behaviours that we are promoting in order to kind of encourage others to be more comfortable with things such as, so Sarah, it sounds to me like for you, it may be easier to make it clear that you're leaving work to go on a to sports day or maybe a school play, something like that, because those are the boundaries that you've kind of set within your role and your business. Whereas on the corporate side of things, I think that can be slightly more difficult because as you have said, there are more structures and boundaries there. Esther, what do you think about that? That was exactly the point I was going to build on because Sarah said she had to set the boundaries for herself and found that challenging because then you're dealing with your own high expectation. But I think it felt for me a bit similar in the corporate because the corporate only sets the boundaries of the business and therefore you have to determine for yourself what you want to be, when you want to be home and how you bring that. And that's quite difficult if the expectation is that you have to be there. And that's very cultural as well in terms of not just meeting times. And I had to say to one of my bosses, I won't name names. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm not attending meetings after five when I'm in the city because I can't get home in time. And I just had to do that. And initially it was quite interesting 
interesting how that was not supported by some people. For example, the PAs who book a lot of the meetings weren't as supportive as I had hoped with that challenge. And I really, really had to put my foot down. And that was difficult because you then have to have that confidence that it's not impacting your career. Because as I said before, I was still very driven, very ambitious. And so therefore, I was constantly sort of weighing up, do I, you know, set that boundary or don't I? But I learned after the initial period in the hallway almost that I had to set those boundaries and that I just had to talk to the people who weren't supportive to explain to them and to bring them on that journey of, yeah, I I need this because I cannot manage it any other way. And do you think it's better now? Then obviously your children are slightly older now, but you will still have the same challenges that you did when you first came back and that were younger. But obviously you're a different person now, presumably. But how do you feel that's changed for those around you? Do you think your team feel able to to do that a bit more readily than you were able to 10 years ago? I think the honest answer is yes and no. I do think a lot of things have changed and you mentioned some of the more detrimental impacts of COVID, but I think in terms of flexible working and flexibility around care arrangement has improved an awful lot. So I do think there's definitely been improvements from that perspective. I do think you see more others taking up caring roles and being more supportive in that way. On the other hand, I asked a colleague of mine who just returned from maternity leave and I knew I was doing this podcast and I thought, oh, I'll have a chat with her because I was curious to see what her experiences were and, you know, how she felt after returning from mat leave. And unfortunately, a lot of the things were still the same, though. A lot of the similar questions were asked, things like, oh, you must be okay." Because you've come back part-time and you've put your child in nursery. And her pet hate question was, are you having another one? Because, of course, that's what everybody asks. And again, that's coming back to because it puts you into you're the mother now. You're a mum rather than the professional that you're at work. And I think she still felt the same struggles in terms of as most mothers do in the first sort of six to 12 months returning to work in terms of finding your feet, finding that right balancing between being a mother and what that means as a role, finding yourself again, and then also finding your professional feet again. And I think she found that still quite hard as well, even though there's a lot more support, a lot more support groups, but it's still not an easy thing and and perhaps not something we talk about enough. You tend to focus a lot on the children and and maybe not what it means when you do return back into work and into a professional career. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, Esther. I think it has in in my own experience, in fact, I think things are better, but absolutely, there's still work to be done. And Sarah, coming back to you, so what have you created? So presumably that feeling is not there for those who work with you, or maybe it is still, I don't know. I'm interested to hear though. I think we have to take into account our conditioning and a lot of us come from employed environments and a lot of us have these 
subliminal messages fed to us all the time about what motherhood looks and feels like and the different types of mums, the school gate mums, the full-time mums, the working mums. There's still categories and often, unfortunately, it's the women that create these categories. It's not really always the men that are creating them. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done within our community. And that's what I've really picked up on. And that's been really interesting to witness the different triggers that people have within them from the environments they've come from. So my role really is to spot those and show those to people and show them that even with all of the freedom, they will still shackle themselves with the same stuff that they just tried to escape from. (laughs) So I have to say to them, like, you have to free yourself from this because nobody's putting this on you but you now. And nobody has that standard on you anymore. That's why you're here is to change that. So it's really interesting to witness that those patterns are deep within us. And there's a lot of work to do, like I say, in general. I mean, one of the things I talk about is that we all still have a tendency to like worship at the altar of being busy and being productive. And if we're not, somehow like that's really not something to be shared, definitely not something to be celebrated. And it's all of these things. That's why it's not just about phasing people in properly and the language that we speak to each other in. It's looking at ourselves in the mirror and asking ourselves like truthfully, what do I think makes a good mum that works as well? What are the things that I've been taught and what are the things I, I think and what are the things I want to teach my own children about what this has to look and feel like? So yeah, it's really interesting because you'd think there'd be none of it. But it still remains within us, within our bodies, our behaviour, everything. So the same thing is there. It's just often we're our own worst enemies. And with the team, it's they have to get out of their own way a lot of the time with this stuff. Yeah, I think I can really get that. Yeah, I think we all still set high expectations. And somehow if you take the main care of all and you have a career and you do set even higher expectations, whilst you probably have even more reasons to say, yeah, don't bake the cookies, etc. But you almost want to confirm you're good. But I must say, I do feel there is still a lot, though, that's in society reconfirms the role. And for example, with the schools, my husband and and I agreed our our children go to different schools that he would do one school, I would do the other. And still, they always phone me. And it's just interesting, isn't it, that they really are not geared towards the mum isn't always the main carer. It's not always the first number you phone, even though we've clarified that with them and probably not helped by the fact that my husband never picks up the phone, but that's another fact. So I do still think there is a lot of expectation in society, like you said, subtle. And I also wonder about guilt and Sarah, you might have a few on that as well. I feel and I had it myself, that constant battle of wanting to do more for the children or wanting to be there and then having to be at work and then feeling guilty about everything and anything. And I just hear my peers who have less of a caring role, for example, but might still be fathers, not talk about that guilt so much. Or And I'm not sure if that's because they're not experiencing it or they are but I think guilt is a big feature of any mum returning to work and I don't know Sarah Danielle if both of you have a view on that and how to deal with that because it's usually not a good driver for decisions when you act from a feeling of guilt. Yeah I think the guilt thing is so real and I don't know any mum that doesn't experience that I haven't yet met someone today so this is just like a different type of fuel to the guilt but even those that don't work have guilt about something else you know 
know, not enjoying the time enough or wanting to be on their phone instead of staring at their baby and they feel bad about it. But certainly for me, I think my experience has been in looking at the differences in just generally society in the cost of living in the way households are structured. And it was very different when I grew up. My mum and all the mums were at the school gate and at home and they were doing multiple horrendous complexions of jobs, like all sorts of things just to make things work. And they didn't complain and they didn't tell us and you didn't speak about it. You just got on with it. And so my perception of motherhood was so wrong, disfigured, because when I became a mum, I had all these feelings and I thought, well, no one's really showed me these feelings before. So clearly I'm not doing something right here because even at the weekend, it was my son's birthday and I hosted all of my aunts and uncles and cousins and we had family games. It was so hard. And I said to them, at what point when you were the grown-ups and I was the child, did you ever show how hard these parties are to host? Like, why didn't you show us this? Because these are really difficult. I'm so tired. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. As if like, yeah, it's the code. Why? Why did you make that the code? Because now our generation is having to rewrite the book in what it means to be a woman in this world. And we're having to go against, we, we can see it now. They didn't see it, but we can see it everywhere, like on TV, on adverts, all of the conditioning everywhere. And it's difficult because you can see it, but you still feel it. Even though I can see it and I'm like, we're manipulated all the time. I can still feel really bad for, like you say, Esther, not baking the cookies, not putting the collection together at the end of this summer, not creating some amazing get together for all of the mums to go to or actually not being able to even attend because I have other arrangements. I still feel all of that, but I just have to rewrite it in my head and say, it's okay because the type of mum I'm showing Sienna, particularly my daughter, because that's who she'll model it on potentially, is a different template. And I think this will make her a happier, more balanced person that isn't in battle and conflict with herself, like I have been for so many years, navigating my own journey in motherhood, really. I think that's really interesting, actually. And I think I feel exactly the same as both of you in different ways. And, and I will flip it as well, on the other hand, of having these situations where you mentioned a party, a birthday, when you are meant to be somewhere else. And when you're meant to be, for me, you know, at an event or a conference, something like that. And I have struggled with that a lot. And my rule is that I will always wake up with my children on their birthday and I will always put them to bed at night. And that is just something that I will not go against. It's just one of my rules, but it has mean that I've almost killed myself going across the country to, I don't know, set up somewhere really early to come back, to pick up, to do a party, to then go back again. And I think what I'm guilty of is then when I'm back in that work environment, very much being like, yeah, it's fine. I'm fine. I've done it all. I've ticked all the boxes and I'm back. And that's fine. Me being a mum has not stopped me doing any of this. But actually, that's not necessarily the right thing to do because it's possibly not displaying the behaviours that we should to then empower those around us to know, actually, you can try and do all of that, but it's okay if it is hard and it is difficult. 
Yeah, like Sarah said, show show those feelings and show how hard it is. Because also that hopefully invites more support because I had to learn that the hard way that when you just have to create that support network around you. And if that's family or friends, because we're both uh, Dutch, we didn't have family around us. So we just had to rely on, frankly, random strangers through country to take part of the caring role, but also colleagues at work asking them to cover stuff because you just had to get home because you set those boundaries so uh, not just in emergency situations so I think it is really important not to just always put on a brave face and muscle through it but to actually share and share with new mums how hard that can be. And actually that kind of leads me on to something else talking about getting help and, and we haven't really touched on massively the role of the second parent and how decision making happens at home. I mean, Sarah, obviously you touched on the fact of what it was like previously, maybe for your mum, it sounds like she kind of took on possibly all of the duties in terms of that. But I'm interested to know from both of you how you navigate it in your household so you can both fulfill your roles and be there for your children and has that changed over the years? Mine has definitely changed over the years and it required difficult conversations and it required us both to grow really into those conversations, myself and my husband. We now enjoy a very collaborative household. It's a dual project is our children. It's not all on me. He has to be involved in the school things. He knows what's going on just as much as me. It's not me telling him because a lot of the time for women and mums and what I hear in the team a lot is it's not about the helpfulness, like the physical acts of help. It's about the mind exhaustion of having to remember everything to remind someone to remind you to do the thing it's the mind it's, it's that's what we need a little bit of room from one of the things I work on in the team is to say to them as part of it is you need to talk to your husband and create an environment at home so I can create an environment here where you can thrive but that environment has to be created at home too. And if you don't have that, this won't work anyway. Like no matter how beautiful I make this, no matter how much I talk about self-care, no matter how much I give you a massage, if you win Mortgage Mum of the Month, if your environment at home is not supporting this, this business won't work for long. And I had to have that difficult conversation of saying to my husband, they need facts often, like he needed to be told what the problem was. And I just said, I'm juggling a lot of balls. I'm going to drop some you need to pick them up or ideally start to juggle with me and then there's less that's going to be dropped. And he was like, what do you need me to do? And I was like, I need you to not ask me what I need you to do. (laughs) I need you to just eventually learn the same way I've had to, what needs to be done between us because this has to be a joint thing. We're both working here and I'm not going to stop working and you're not going to stop working and they're both of our children. And in fairness, he stepped up in a huge way, but the school mums, The way they respond to that is, you're so lucky to have your husband. And I'm like, "Mm, am I? Am I so lucky to have him? Or are we both just as lucky as each other here? Because we're both working hard and and delivering. And that's the general premise is that if he goes into a school thing, wow, he's a hero down there. He loves it. But that really aggravates me. That shows me the work that's still needed. I shouldn't need to have a company that has the word mum in it to make it okay to be both. There's so much work that's still needed out there. 
And Esther, do you have any thoughts to add on that subject? Yeah, and probably quite interesting because my husband stayed at home when the children were young. But it's exactly like Sarah said, the mind exhaustion. I like that word because even though he was at home and taking a lot of the physical caring role, I still was doing all the mind, the thinking, the planning, the clothes feeding, whatever, other development parties, etc., etc. And again, because I, you know, the guilt thing, I would put them to bed every night, etc. So I think I suffered still from the mind exhaustion. And exactly like you said, Sarah, as well, a lot of commentary about, oh, how lucky are you that he is doing that? Which, to be fair to him, he always found that really odd as well. And then he's rather disappointed in peers in his generation of them all at university talking a good game about equality. But then the second it came to children, all of them stayed as full-time working parents and mostly the wives that then the mothers who then took care of the children. So he also found it quite hard, though, because there was the other mothers at school. There was very little connection and actually some active reaction as well, because particularly with the daughter, there were quite a few mums who didn't want their daughters to play over at our house. So he didn't know how to exactly handle that because there is some sort of, uh, you know, what do they think he would do to them? So it's quite interesting how there's still a lot of bias and prejudice in, in that space. Eventually, though, he went back to work and we found that bit like Sarah that had that balance for the hard way, you know, lots of difficult conversations showing it's not just a little bit of physical help or dipping in and out. It's taking full responsibility for things and taking it off your mind totally. But yeah, we got there as well. I'm sure you both have the same spreadsheets that I do to help you through the holidays because that's a whole other topic that we might need another podcast just to discuss. It's been really lovely speaking to you both. And before we go, if I could ask you each just for one takeaway to give to our listeners, one thing that that you think is really important to help others in the workplace, in each of your different environments, coming back as a working mum, what tip would you give people? I would say for the returning mother, be brutally shameless in asking for support and just honestly just do it because people have been through the journey and people can give support and to the other people be brutally shameless in offering support I know people sometimes hold back but I will definitely do that thank you very much and Sarah mine would be communicate seek to understand yourself first and then communicate your needs to everybody around you professionally and personally and seek to understand theirs as well, certainly when it comes to being at home anyway. Thank you very much. Thanks to you both. It's been great to chat. If you have enjoyed this episode and want diversity and inclusion to have as wide an audience as possible, make sure you share with your friends and colleagues and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.